0: Hey everybody, welcome to our quarantine edition of The McGuffin Report. I, Rachel Wong, am here with my co-host, Oz Davis, and we're going to be talking about some great movies to watch during quarantine. We have picked the best movies based on rewatchability, and we're hoping that if you have some time to kill, or you're trying to kill some time, that we will be of service to you by serving up some of the best cinema out there.
1: See, over the last two years, the Nazis have had teams of archaeologists running around the world looking for all kinds of religious artifacts. Hitler's a nut on the subject. He's crazy. He's obsessed with the occult. And right now, apparently, there's some kind of German archaeological dig going on in the desert outside of Cairo. Now, we've got some information here, but we can't make anything out of it, and maybe you can. Tannis Development Proceeding. Acquire Headpiece Staff of Ra, Abner Ravenwood, U.S. Nazis have discovered Tannis. Just so what does that mean to you, uh, Tannis? Well, well, the city that of Tannis is one of the possible resting places of the Lost Ark. The Lost Ark? Yeah, the Ark of the Covenant, the chest the Hebrews used to carry around the Ten Commandments. What do you, what do you mean, you mean Ten Commandments? You're talking about the Ten Commandments? Yes, the actual Ten Commandments, the original stone tablets that Moses brought down out of Mount Herab and smashed, if you believe in that sort of thing.
2: Any of you guys ever go to Sunday school? Well, I... Oh, well, look.
1: Okay, that's a, that's a bit of exposition, a hint of what's to come, but really not even scratching the surface of Raiders of the Lost Ark, the classic i think i can say 1980 movie directed by steven spielberg and of course starring harrison ford as the now iconic character indiana jones this movie really ticks all the boxes in terms of rewatchability. We love the acting. In my opinion, and I'll probably talk about this a little bit further on down the line, this is Spielberg's, Steven Spielberg's finest work as a director. Some of the things that he's doing with creating, recreating those pulp fiction stories of his youth, um, which is really what Raiders of the Lost Ark and the other Indiana Jones films are really about. Is this again celebration of youth that he was so famous for in all of his movies up until Schindler's List uh, really exciting movie a great dialogue you forget how fast paced it is you forget the the specifics the characterizations the location shots are sumptuous but I almost never do this when I review the movies but I'm going to go from a personal experience on this one okay I saw this in the theaters I think it was it was very close after it came out and Everybody was ready for this because, you know, here's Steven Spielberg who is just, you know, coming out into his zone. He's doing stuff like Close Encounters of the Third Kind. He's doing stuff like Jaws. So, you know, he's really becoming like America's favorite director at this time. He's coming on. Plus, you're pairing him with Harrison Ford, who was the secret star of Star Wars, uh, Part 4, which of course was released first in the series. And. Everybody was ready for this film. So it's a packed house. Okay, now, Rachel, uh, let me ask you, what is everybody's favorite scene in this movie?
0: Well, it's going to either be the opening with the giant ball chasing Indiana Jones, or it's going to be that part in act two where Harrison Ford is fighting this guy with this huge sword and just pulls his gun out and pops the cap in his ass. Right. He's got no time for this nonsense kind of thing. Okay. Ain't nobody got time for this. Okay, This happens
1: about 40 minutes into the film. And I remember distinctly watching this. Of course, that happens. The audience explodes, right? But I'm thinking to myself, wow. And I'm about I'm 13 years old, I think, at this time. I think to myself, wow, that is so Indiana Jones. Yes. Like, oh, my gosh, yes. Already, he had become... An icon. In 40 minutes of screen time, we ought, it 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 was as though he had been around for 40 years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When that moment incredible. happened, and of course you're the you're the factoid master. So do you know the lore behind this whole bit?
0: Yeah, and I think um, forgive us, movie nerds, if you're listening to this and you already know this. Actually, what had happened was this is a completely well, not completely, but this is one of those golden moments in movie history that was improvised. This was not in the script at all. Um, We have another moment like this coming up in our next episode, um, as you will see. But this day um, that they were shooting, they were shooting out in the desert and the crew and the cast were just having a bad time. I don't know if it was crafty or if it was some food that they'd had in um, a local town, but the cast and crew had food poisoning. Harrison Ford was running back and forth every 10 minutes to his trailer to relieve himself. It was just a bad time. If you're watching careful, you can tell he's got a fever. He's not doing well. He should not be vertical. He should be horizontal. There is a
1: bit, and you can see it, because there's one part where he's. it's from – behind right so you see his back mm-hmm. right and then it cuts around to him and you see him and he's like all of a sudden he's slumped over he's like covering his he's already got the fedora on but then he's, covering he's sweating further oh he's sweat like a beast
0: yeah just his body is just like get these toxins out right. what did you do to me and he's like i'm sorry i have to work
1: it's a good thing harrison ford as you as you probably famously know never wears makeup Right? Yeah. If he oh, had been, didn't know that. Yeah, if he had been wearing makeup here, he would have been a sloppy mess. Oh, yeah, that would have his, been bad. So, so it never would have happened, this scene. So anyway.
0: Yeah, so he looks over to the director and is like, hey, listen, I've got a gun. Can't I just shoot this guy? And they think it over and they're like, yeah, you know what, let's try that. And now we have this amazing, iconic scene. And funny enough, later in the film, we have another scene where Harrison Ford, as Indy, pulls a guy out of a plane. And that isn't actually a stuntman. That is actually one of the film's producers because the stuntmen were so sick, they couldn't work that day. So the producer was like, you know what? We need to get this done. Put me in that plane. So this this food poisoning lasts more than a shoot day. Right. It was a couple. (laughs)
1: <laughs> the 80s were a bit more wild and wooly when you're shooting on location in the desert or in the jungle. Yeah,
0: especially if you're shooting on location with film, you know? Exactly. It's not digital. You got to it's expensive. Oh, did you know this, Oz? Did you know that uh, Tom Selleck was the prior choice to Harrison Ford? Yes,
1: yes. Yes. Crazy. Well, the thing is like a lot of folks tend to think folks from generation X on down that Indiana Jones is an original Even in the cinema, he's not, right? I mean, you had the Alan Quartermain films. You had a whole bunch of films actually in the 40s that were like this because Egyptology was this big craze in the early part of the 20th century, right?
0: Yes, yes.
1: So later on, you know, the archaeologist became this adventurer. And, yes, of course, Spielberg was celebrating the Pulp Fiction of his youth, but he was also celebrating those movies that he snuck into when he was eight or nine years old. Mm -hmm. And those guys tended to look more like Selleck than Harrison Ford. Um, And, you know, Harrison Ford, you can kind of imagine at the time, if you take away the Star Wars thing, is that he doesn't, like, leap off the screen, right? He's one of these guys, right? He, he delivers dialogue like this. You know, mm-hmm. He's like that. In in the scene, actually, there was a scene I wanted to talk about. Let's talk about Belloc a little bit, right? Yeah. The antagonist. And, of course, you know, like, like it is said, most of the time, actors like to play the bad guy, right? It's pretty fun, I'm
0: not going to lie.
1: Right. I don't think that's that's right. You have some experience in this area. I do don't necessarily think that's the case in this film or in the indiana jones films i mean you want to be indiana jones right but here he is played by british actor paul freeman there's this incredible scene where belloc gets to give the monologue right about the the absurdity of archaeology
2: how odd that it should end this way for us after so many stimulating encounters almost regret it where shall I find a new adversary so close to my own level? Try the local sewer. You and I are very much alike. Archaeology is our religion. Yet we have both <coughs> fallen from the pure faith. Our methods have not differed as much as you pretend. I am a shadowy reflection of you. It not take only a nudge to make you like me. To push you out of the light. Now you're getting nasty. You know it's true. How nice. Look at this. It's worthless. Ten dollars from a vendor in the street. But I take it, I bury it in the sand for a thousand years, it becomes priceless. Like the Ark. Men will kill for it. Men like you and me.
1: And the antagonist seems more colorful. You know, he's wearing white. He looks great in the desert. He's got his pristine white suit. You know, never dirty. Perfect. You know, he's got this suave accent. And what, what did you make of this? What did you make of the bad guy in this
0: film? Yeah, I I liked how sharp they made him. That was a. It was clear. It was a very clear choice to me that they were saying, look, this is the hero from those thirties and forties. Era films where you know that you have the very uh, admirable archaeologists going out to the pyramids and retrieving this knowledge and the artifacts and bringing it back to our world bringing it back to civilization um even though technically they're stealing from Egypt like the Great British. Right, that's museums. the thing. That, that was
1: part of that was
0: part of bellick's kick and and
1: yes. that's the interesting bit I mean this is like the early 80s right so we're coming out of this age of great antiheroes.
0: Right? Yes, That's what the yes.
1: 70s was all about. Raging Bull and Taxi Driver and several other films not with Robert De Niro. Some with <laughs> Al Pacino. And, and so you're coming out of this, right? And Indiana Jones is not perfect, right? He's not. Mm-hmm. He treats women, at least one woman, pretty badly. And the thing is, both of these guys, and Belloc realizes this, they're both grave robbers. Mm-hmm. That's it. And there's no sense from Belloc's perspective that Indiana Jones is more moral than him. Yeah, it's it's absurdity. It's foolish. They're both they're both criminal.
0: The only difference is that Indiana Jones has a professor's salary and how he manages to travel the world like he does is I don't understand. Well, he's funded. <laughs> he's funded. Oh, OK, They tell him that. Right. Like he
1: sells the stuff to the museum. Right. They do this right at the uh, mm-hmm. beginning, right before mm-hmm. the piece that I played. Um, he, he sells them to the museum. No questions asked. Right, that's worth a few thousand right there. And then they'll go, Okay, you know, we'll give you another five thousand to go buy off Marion, for example. Yes. So, let's go on to that. One of the things that struck me. And see, this is the thing about rewatchable movies, right? I'm getting so much out of this. This is probably
0: the fifth 15th... And I'm getting so much out of what you're sharing with me that I have missed the million times that I've watched oh, this. Of
1: course, yeah. There's still more in there. Oh, man.
0: I'm... I can't wait to watch this again. I'll watch this again
1: tonight. See, I'm not done. I'm not done finding new stuff all the time. So, I, I one of the things I got out of this movie this time was just how much of a badass marion really is she's a hero right oh yeah gutsy she's not even like robin she's more like batman versus superman she's on that level you know she she's really on his level i mean there's something incredibly sexy about a woman who can drink you under the table (laughs) (laughs) so this is how we're introduced to her right this is steven spielberg adding his own stuff to the mix
0: yeah, he was right. It was the heroines of his day. He was like, let's throw some of that in there. Right, right. Except with alcohol.
1: <laughs> right, we want them drinking. Booze heavy. it up a little. Right. A lot. Booze it up a lot. And, you know, she speaks different languages. You know, she runs a bar amidst like people who are not her own. She's the only she's the only European white woman, can I say, there as far as I can tell um, in this area. And. Wow, I was just super impressed. I was just especially when you when you think about Kate Capshaw in the second movie, which, you know, we could touch upon in just a bit here. But um what were your impressions of Marion this time out?
0: Oh yeah, badass. I've always loved Marion. I loved seeing the idea you know, seeing a woman that can hold her own. She doesn't need any Jones except for, you know, to fulfill the story. But to survive and to thrive like she is, she's completely fine independent without the hero that was something that was really important to me growing up being able to see that i can't imagine what life would be like if that wasn't in so prevalent in the media for me growing up in like the 90s and early aughts and things like that so
1: and you know the funny thing is is she doesn't need the hero he ruins her life again he ruins her life
0: yes it just to just to add to your point about him being imperfect, he's constantly stumbling into things that are working and functioning and just, you know, like the market. They completely trash the market. <laughs> <laughs> Here come the Europeans. <laughs> You've got to have
1: the fruit cart in there, too. Yes, the
0: fruit cart and the monkey. Here's
1: one other thing for me, and then we can go on to, to other bingeable films. Another thing for me is this. I love, I'm really a big fan of, Hollywood movies that refresh the cliches. Oh, yeah. Looking at this movie, how many tropes are in this movie? But they're great,
0: right? I would love to do like a a sped up video that, you know, of the film and then a counter in the corner counting the tropes.
1: Like Cinema Sins, except Cinema Tropes. Yes, like
0: Cinema Sins. Cinema Tropes. Yes. Of
1: course, there are two other films in the indiana jones series and i would say that the third movie okay the last crusade is really really excellent almost as good as this
0: one. Oh, i love the last Crusade. yes it, it was hard to choose between the two which to cover but i feel like since most people have seen raiders we start oh with it's writers. this one
1: it's this one if only because the ending is better mm-hmm the the one guy getting old really fast is is no good. However, I, I did want to say about the last about the last crusade. Not only does it reveal that uh, James Bond is Indiana Jones's father, it also reveals that one of the greatest nemesis of the Tom Baker doctor on Doctor Who is also one of the Indiana Jones' nemeses. So, I like it for that. Now, the second movie is a bit problematic. Let's face it, it's not as good. I mean, this is pretty widely known as the other ones. However, I will say this. The first 20 minutes of that film are incredible. If you look at the first 20 minutes of that film, and then, you know, suddenly your electricity goes off, or your internet goes out, or whatever, and you stop right there, you think this is going to be a great Indiana Jones film.
0: Wait, what we're the first 20 minutes of that film? I, haven't, I, I That's not one of the ones that I rewatch all the time. So. It's,
1: it starts off, and it's in like uh, somewhere in Asia again. And uh, it's at this bar, right? this really swank bar. And there's Kate Capshaw, and she's the nightclub singer. And she's singing Anything Goes in Mandarin. And Indiana Jones is at this big round table with the dude that he's doing business with, like he's buying some diamonds from him or something like this, right? So some artifact, right? Something like this. And there's this rotating bit in the table and so they're passing stuff along, they're spitting it along and stuff like this, and then they're doing all this exchange stuff, and then all of a sudden, it turns out that Indiana Jones has been poisoned, and now this dude's going to blackmail him, and here's the antidote right here. Well, one thing leads to another, and then all of a sudden, there's chaos. Like an ice machine falls over something, so there's ice all over the floor, and the diamonds are on the floor, and the antidote's on the floor, and everybody's like looking for the stuff or running around or like shooting each other it's classic, great classic
0: common yeah, and and they
1: get away and then they're in the airplane and of course you have the indiana jones i can't i can fly but i can't land all that stuff and so they have to like parachute out of the airplane from like 200 feet with like a rubber raft and then they go down this snow-covered mountain on this and they're maneuvering it it's it's awesome and it's just like this. They keep going.
0: Spielberg finally got to do his James Bond opening. It's a James Bond movie. It is.
1: But see, you still you still buy it, right? Because you expe- yes, you yes, would absolutely. expect once in a while Indiana Jones has to do this, right? He has to put on the tuxedo and, and, and mix it up in the upper class once in a while. He does, right? Because that's so Indiana Jones, right? But then the movie kind of goes to hell. It's not bad, but it's certainly not good. You might, if you're a completist, and you'd like to do the trilogy, you should watch it as as part of the trilogy. And again, like the the opening bit really makes it worth it. I think basically it all goes downhill when you get the shot of like them coming into a town on elephants, and Kate Capshaw's riding hers backwards for the cheap laugh. Yeah, you know, I think I think that's uh, yeah. It's 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 downhill from there. I even didn't mind the kid uh, sidekick. Short, Short Round is pretty cool. Oh, I
0: love Short Round. He he made yeah, the rest yeah, of the movie good, for me. Good Fun fact, uh, Jonathan K. Kwan, he didn't actually audition for the role of Short Round. His brother was auditioning, and apparently, I guess, his parent or guardian or whoever brought them in for the audition, Jonathan K. Kwan was telling his brother what to do in the audition. He's like, no, 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 don't do that. Do this. Do this. Do this. And the, cast, the casting was watching, and they were like, Let's 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 audition that kid. And he, he, I've he booked heard it. i
1: that story. That's right. That's yeah. right.
0: He's from Alhambra.
1: That's one good trilogy you should watch. Rachel, let's get to it. You tell us. I believe this is your favorite trilogy.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it's going to be.
1: Why don't you tell us about it? And and, and tell me why it's watching. <gasps> okay,
0: Oz, I know you don't. You are not crazy about Lord of the Rings. You may not even like it. Um, But I will come in and say, I was a Tolkien fan before the film, so that's where some of my loyalty comes from. But I was blown away when I saw what Peter Jackson did with the lore and the characters and the books. He was also a super fan, a super nerd. He also kind of looks like one. He looks like a hobbit. If you've never seen what Peter Jackson looks like, Google it right now. He looks, he genuinely looks like a hobbit. The only <laughs> difference is that he can grow facial hair. <laughs> Hobbits cannot. Um, oh my. <laughs> so... Um, I don't even know where to start, but these movies came out when I was a kid and my, I was, my attention was grabbed. Like if I was not already, um, a huge fan of the Hobbit and the Tolkien trilogy, then I became even more of a fan. I will say the Hobbit movies. I went to see them all. I have seen all of them maybe twice. First time in the theater, second time on the plane on the way to New Zealand, just because, um, but I will say it is, you got a lot, Well, you got a time, lot of time, like 16, you got a lot of time. 17 hours worth of time. It is like eating junk food, though. You don't feel great afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the casting was good. The casting was amazing and phenomenal in the trilogy. I would even say the casting was fantastic in The Hobbit. There was just a lot of, I don't know what happened. I think it was the fact that It started in Guillermo del Toro's hands and he took a lot of liberties and then it was handed off to Peter Jackson again. I think kind of kind of a similar the similar trouble that the most recent Star Wars movies had going from Abrams and then back to Johnson and then back to Abrams again. And they didn't really respect each other's process. And yeah, but there is a uh, there's a series of movies that Oz will cover later where they successfully completed a trilogy with. change in director in the third film and we'll we'll talk about that later but it can be done guys it can be done um but obviously hobbit is kind of a dumpster fire example of what happens and be it can be done but hobbit is not that hobbit is not that it is more of the rule than the exception um so the Lord of the Rings movies, gosh, it's hard to know where to start because I've been a fan for so long. I'm even playing the MMO game still. Really? Um, wow,
1: yes, You yes. are hardcore.
0: It, it holds up. I've played the MMO game. I've played, played the PlayStation games. I've played the Game Boy game. Huge fan. And they do an incredible job. They hire great designers and great writers for their games. So, I mean, it's it's just hard to mess it up when you've got really good content to begin with, I guess. Have you
1: ever written a fan fiction?
0: Uh Yes. Oh,
1: wow. Okay. Nerd level 10 achieved.
0: Yes. Level 10. I – okay. I don't know if I should share this. Gosh. Oh, wow. Now that you start like that, you've got to follow through. I know. I know. I used to teach Elvish online. Wow. No joke. And I would accept payment in whatever the forum's payment terms was, like gold or something. Wow.
1: Wow, I'm a pretty hardcore Trek fan, but I've never taught Klingon or Vulcan online.
0: But do you speak it? Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> it was funny. Like I, 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 There was this quick story. I, I, I used to work in an office, and one time at work, this was when the Hobbit movies had come out, and we were talking about it, and I sat next to this uh, girl who's a big movie buff, and she was like, did you watch it? And I was like, of course I watched it. I'm a huge fan. she's like, no, 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 I'm a huge fan. I hated it. And I was like, well, it wasn't great, but I didn't hate it. Like I love, I just wanted to be in the world more. Like if I think about it critically, of course it was trash. But for me, it was being more about in the world. She's like, well, you're probably not a big fan. I didn't really tell her that I used to teach <sighs> Elvish. Wow. But I'm uh, not okay. One to you know, okay, you brought this,
1: you brought this up, so I'm gonna get on the soapbox here for a second. All right, I got to admit that I'm a bit tired of the toxic fandom. And I'm really disappointed if this kind of stuff is in the Tolkien world as well. But I'm getting really tired of the toxic... It's
0: awful. I'm uh, with you.
1: It's insane because, look, here's the thing, okay? I mean, I'm especially into Star Trek and Doctor Who, and both of these fandoms are going friggin'... Well, the oldsters, let's say, are going friggin' ballistic with what each show is doing. Now, I happen to think that the new Star Trek stuff is good, and the new Doctor Who stuff isn't very good. Mm-hmm. But there's no way to rationally discuss it anymore. There's no way to rationally say, um, here are the problems with Doctor Who and here's how to fix them, without being called a hater. Mm-hmm. Right? There's no way to say, I like the Picard series, without saying, no way, the original series is better. It drives me up the wall. This is not critical thinking, boys and girls. It's not even fandom. No, it's not fandom at all. No. It's it's just dogma is what it is. And it's pretty sick if your hobby turns into dogma, folks. Let's tone it down. Another good reason to binge watch movies. Get offline and watch <laughs> these movies instead. You know? They're more fun. They're more yeah, fun than online.
0: Exactly. I haven't <laughs> been on the forums recently, and I don't really care to go back, but... You know, back in the day, I remember people arguing about whether or not the Balrog had wings um, wh- or if it was like oh, a metaphor. Sure. But, you know, sure. that's where it ends, though. They they agree to disagree and they stopped it there. It wasn't like, oh, you're not a true fan. Then if you think that. Right. Right. You're just it didn't hater. get personal. It was just like, um, well, actually. And then it stopped there. And now people have to troll each other and swat each other and dox each other mm-hmm. over. This stuff—it's crazy.
1: Be, you got to be dogmatic. You got to be dogmatic and pig-headed In any case, let me bring it back. Uh, I just wanted to say, look, I'm not the biggest fan of Lord of the Rings, but I'll tell you what. Again, I'll, I'll go to the personal experience. Uh, when I was a kid, back in the day, <laughs> it, we had access to a lot less stuff. There was just a lot less stuff. There was no internet. Da 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 da. And pretty generally, I think I can pretty much say that in those days, look, you were either—if you were a geek. You're either a science fiction geek or a fantasy geek. I mean, nowadays I know it's perfectly possible to love them both, right? You can like Game of Thrones and you can also like Star Trek, right? No problem. But back in the day, there just wasn't that much, and you only had so much money as a teenager, right? You couldn't buy all the books, right? So you had to choose. Yeah. What you picked, okay? So, and Tolkien to me was pretty damn near incomprehensible, right? I tried to read it once or twice, gave up. I just couldn't stand it. Just couldn't stand it. Uh, It's not for everyone. The Hobbit, I got through. Lord of the Rings, no way. Um, So, in any case. But then, I saw this first movie, and I was really, really impressed. I was impressed on the level like I was when I saw the first X Men movie. Because I never really liked the X Men. Big comic book fan, but I was never a big fan of the X Men. Loved the movie. Loved what they did with it. Loved what they did with the first Lord of the Rings. It was really great. There was a lot of exposition disguised as actual like good stuff as actual character development as actual like you know nice dialogue witty dialogue um interesting stuff going on i want to get into this world right Mm -hmm. really nice world building right second one
0: hmm, kind of falling off a bit there's a lot of falls into the common pitfalls of the second movie yeah yeah there's a lot of walking except for the godfather
1: (laughs) Well, supposedly, right? Well, there's a lot of exceptions. We had Terminator 2, Aliens,
0: or, Aliens, yeah. You
1: know, Empire. Everybody says, but yes,
0: I will best. agree with you. There's a lot of walking. They're staying yeah. very true to the book. If you, yeah, 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 if, yeah, to those that have, you know, read the book, you will know there is tons of walking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But hey, I love hiking. So, okay, how long are these three films? Um, they they are long. They're about three hours each, like give or take 15 minutes. With the extended the extended takes you about i say 12 to 20 minutes longer than the theatrical releases i think it's been a while for me i don't watch them all the time but
1: so you could probably get about 10 hours yeah out of yeah this. okay you know this yeah. is it, this is important for the purposes of this mini series because yeah you, you know,
0: want to kill your saturday right.
1: lord of the rings here's here's 10 hours What? <laughs> right?
0: So basically, like you mentioned, you were either a sci fi or a fantasy person. Now, if you look at fantasy, the fantasy genre today, all of it is built on Tolkien's world. You look at Harry Potter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It totally mirrors yeah. Tolkien's world. Yeah. You look at um, what are some of the other big uh, fantasy things right now like it was just lord of the rings mortal engines you look at which was directed by peter jackson you look at aragon game of thrones Thrones. uh, yes game of thrones is a huge one wheel of time wheel of time yeah
1: Um,
0: which is i haven't if you if you're not going to be reading the tolkien books the movies are they do a great job at keeping consistent um obviously they leave some pretty crucial characters out like tom bombadil but even in like (laughs) <laughs> that would not. that would just not play well on screen like even in the video games i hate tom bombadil's guts because he's dancing around while i'm trying to fight the witch king and it's really frustrating because he can just take the witch king at the end of at the end of the level he takes the witch king out in one like he doesn't even punch him he just goes woo and does a little jig and like i'm like almost dead and the witch king's like ah what have <laughs> you done to me and i'm like and he's like well, you shouldn't be out here fighting like these nasties. You should leave them be. And I'm like, well, you sent me here. So that's how I would have felt that he would have been in the film. So I'm really glad, actually, that Tom Bombadil was left out. There oh, is a lot God. that has been left out because you're not going to be able to pack dictionary-sized books into movies, and which is fine. Um, but honestly, I think Jackson did a wonderful job of recreating the Tolkien world. The cinematography is amazing. The casting is amazing. On point. Oh my God. You could not have asked for a better Aragorn. You could not have asked for a better set of hobbits. Um you could not have asked for better elves. Everything looks incredible. Um the most dialogue of it, is Most great. of it is very memeable too. It's super memeable, yes. <laughs> get get to know everything for the memes. Sean Bean <laughs> Sean Bean has the best memes, I think. Um, But yes, it's fun. It's it's great to watch. It's beautiful. And then if you are really into it, get into the games because the games are I don't play video games that much. But these ones are actually pretty dang good. Um, So all in all, I think it's an incredible trilogy. It's my favorite trilogy that I can watch over and over again. And if you haven't seen it. I think personally, it's worth the 10 or 12 hours, depending on whether or not you watch the extended versions plus bathroom breaks, and then get some themed snacks in there because there's quite a lot of drinking in Lord of the Rings as well. So,
1: <laughs> Hobbit you could throw on the Hobbits
0: too. You could throw on the Hobbit for another day. You can't squeeze that all into one day, but if you want, if you want to try to stomach that, you can go for it. But again, it's. It's not the same thing. It's you're going to feel like you just ate a bunch of junk food. But I will say, like, with the world building and everything they did, it's entertaining. It will take your attention, but you're not going to feel great afterwards.
1: Well, it does have Martin Freeman.
0: Yes, I will say I think I've said this before on the podcast, but the first time I saw the British version of The Office after the American version, right. which I got hooked on, you took my word I it. saw um, I saw Martin Freeman. This was, like, way back in the day, and I was like, he would be the perfect Bilbo Baggins or Frodo, like, probably Bilbo. And now he's Bilbo. They did a fantastic job. Oh, and if you're going to watch The Hobbit, look out for Benedict Cumberbatch, too, because his performance is worth watching. And then after you're done with the movie, go on YouTube and look for his mocap video. They suited up Benedict Cumberbatch in a mocap suit, and he plays Smaug. As the dragon, and that is fantastic to watch if you're a uh, if you're a Benny comes fan. That's cool. Okay. Yeah, it's really cool. It's totally worth that. Put that on your list. Yes, put that on your. I believe he plays two characters, Benedict Cumberbatch in The Hobbit, um, but he plays Smaug and he plays one more. I can't remember who, but yeah, they are Martin Freeman and Benedict Cumberbatch. What a duo, right?
1: Yeah. How about it? God, I miss BBC Sherlock Holmes
0: are they uh, doing more
1: oh i doubt it <laughs> i doubt it i doubt it benedict cumberbatch is being con right oh Any yes case, speak, right. speaking of which i gotta say I'm, I'm supposed to do a bit on trilogies now too or movie series um let's I, get I, into it i gotta say i was a, a little bit scared that i was gonna geek out too much but i can't top what you just heard folks you're in so, good company here oz let's talk a classic let's talk star trek now i'm approaching this from viewpoint of pretty low Star Trek geekery. Okay, so because here's the thing, there's 13 Star Trek movies, okay, now a lot of them are really good. A lot of them are really good science fiction films. A couple of them are really great movies, period, full stop. Um, However, a few of them are shaky and a couple are completely unwatchable, so Let's talk about what to watch and what not to watch if you want to spend a reasonable amount of time looking at some Star Trek. Here's what I would suggest. First, you'll probably want to check out 2 through 4. That's Wrath of Gone, Search for Spock, and Voyage Home.
0: As somebody that's not a uh, Trekkie, why not 1?
1: Well, okay, the first one is... Okay, the first one is was an attempt, a hasty attempt, to make Star Trek into Star Wars, okay? Now, there's obviously a lot of 2001 influence there as well, okay? But one of the issues, I think, and, and we'll see this again and again, with franchises, especially franchises on established properties, is a lot depends on the confidence you have in the material. If, as directors and screenwriters especially... You don't think you can pull this off for the audience, then you won't pull this off for the audience. <laughs> and, and I think that Star Trek, the motion picture, it, it's kind of like wanting to be too many things to too many people. Because Star Trek wanted to be Star Trek. Star Trek, the motion picture, wanted to be Star Trek, but it also wanted to be Star Wars. And the influence of 2001 A Space Odyssey is all over this thing as well right so it does, the timing is not very good the pacing is not very good and you have to know something about the characters that you wouldn't otherwise know and stuff like that you know so it's it's uneven let's say not for non fans maybe for science fiction fans but definitely not for like somebody who doesn't know anything about star trek and doesn't care <laughs> that much right however you know, things turn with The Wrath of Khan, right? They bring back a a villain from the old series. They put a lot of money into the special effects. It looks gorgeous still. They spend a lot of time cruising around in these gas nebulas that are all lit in these reds and purples. It's really swell. It really still looks really great. And of course, now they're releasing high-definition versions of this. It looks fantastic. Um, You know, it's a good space opera kind of thing. There's a lot of space battles in that one and everything. It's It's an engaging film. third film takes place a couple of months after the events of the second one, right? But completely different story. They start on Earth, and they get into shenanigans, have to steal the Enterprise, have to steal a starship et cetera, et, cetera, et cetera. find their friend who they think is dead, but maybe not, all this kind of stuff. And then in part four, which takes place a couple of months after the events of the, the last one, we go in a completely different direction involving time travel. And, yes, Star Trek four is that one that most people know as the one with the whales. Very funny movie. For me, this one impacts. <laughs> that's imp- how I know it. Of course. That's how most people <laughs> know it, uh, that are not trick geeks. I mean, most Trek geeks, I swear, we don't know the name. It's it's the whale. It's the probe. It's the what? The probe. That one in particular, for me, that's the nadir in a lot of ways of the old Star Trek guys, right? That's because at this point, they're enjoying playing these. The actors are enjoying playing these characters so much. And the characters at this point have been in the American consciousness now for 20 years at this point. We're familiar with these characters. You know, my generation, we grew up with these guys in the background already, right? We didn't see when they were born, right? So we they're already there, right? They're like Superman and Batman and Indiana Jones. No, not quite, because I'm not that old. So I like those three movies. I think this is an excellent trilogy, standalone, because you have three movies. They're connected. They follow one through line, a story arc. We would call it nowadays, but completely different films, sometimes switching directors, sometimes switching actresses. Disappointingly enough, one of the biggest one of one of the uh, formative women in my uh, movie fandom life was Kirstie Alley in the second Star Trek movie. My God, that's the Wait,
0: Kirstie Alley.
1: Yeah. yeah, she, Yeah. She's in. She is Lieutenant Savick, who is supposed to be Spock's protege. She's a half Vulcan, half Romulan.
0: What?
1: And my God, man, my God, she's young and she's gorgeous. And as an impressionable science fiction geek, it just wasn't fair. So, <laughs> but I just
0: know her from It Takes Two, the uh, Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen movie. Oh, you've got to be kidding! You ever hear of a show called Cheers? I know it's before my time.
1: Oh, okay, yeah. So Sorry, she got continue she, on. she got she got Cheers, and so she couldn't do. Uh, Star Trek three and four these three movies are definitely worth your watch now now I would say of course five is one of the laughably bad ones So let's skip that because here's an interesting thing that happens with the sixth, seventh, and eighth movies That's the undiscovered country Generations and first contact. Oh first contact. So here's the way it works The sixth part is the send-off for the old crew, right? It's the Federation making peace with the Klingons, right great great it's a great natural end for the old series and sure enough they have an adventure they go all kinds of crazy stuff da, 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 da. we get another vulcan woman aboard the ship okay good send-off generations right this is of course is the famous kirk to picard baton pass right here's picard and data and Worf and riker and all those guys taking over the star trek mantle and it's a really action-packed movie it's really moves really fast malcolm mcdowell Plays the heavy, the one movie heavy in this one. Really intense guy. Imagine that. That That's a really fun movie. I think you'll like it more the more you like Star Trek, the more you'll like that movie. But still worth watching. And then, of course, First Contact, featuring the Borg as the bad guys. And this is the one when the next generation is the generation. They're completely in place. This is completely their movie. And a lot of ass is kicked in this movie. In my opinion, this is the best Star Trek movie. A lot of fist-in-the-air moments, a lot of action, a lot of... And the Borg, uh, don't get me started on the Borg. The Borg are fantastic. We are the Borg. Lower your shields and surrender your ships. We will add your biological and technological distinctiveness to our own. Your culture will adapt to service us. Resistance is futile. All right. So let's talk about this one. Here's a trilogy of trilogies. The third trilogy, of course, recently we had, as is, the want of our time, the reboot. Sort of a sequel, I won't get into that, but sort of a reboot. Now, most Trek fans kind of have mixed feelings about these three movies, these, these new ones, but there's a lot to be said for them, especially if you're not a Star Trek fan. I think these three movies you might appreciate more if you're a casual fan. Because they do a lot of weird stuff with continuity that we don't like to talk about.
0: That's so funny that you mentioned that. My boyfriend was saying, I was like, you should watch these new ones. And he's like, I don't know. I might not appreciate it because of continuity. And I was like, what do you mean? Yeah,
1: they do some weird. And the fans kind of dislike it for that. However, however, I will say this. First of all, let's talk about the first two films first. They're a bit too self-conscious. They're a bit too continuity conscious. Stuff like that. However, I will say this. For example, acting fantastic great actors the casting was fantastic in this Chris Pine Zoe Saldana is brilliant in this stuff Uh, Zachary Quinto is a good Spock Simon Pegg of course the geek extraordinaire he has now appeared in all three great science fiction franchises
0: he has and he's very
1: pleased with himself this is probably like his lifelong dream when he was a kid oh my god he is the supreme geek and I salute Simon Pegg and especially I especially like Carl Urban as Dr. McCoy
0: who is also in Lord of the
1: Rings Exactly exactly nice crossover there and in Star Trek 2 you also get Benedict Cumberbatch
0: as as mm-hmm. Oh my gosh that was so hard to follow up that was and he was incredible as the, as the villain I went to see that movie just for him. Oh, of
1: course. Oh, of course. I mean, I was stoked to see a new Star Trek movie, but I was like, oh, Benedict Cumberbatch is going to be con They denied it the whole time, and everybody knew he was going to be con And, oh, spoilers. <laughs> I guess we should put that at the top of this podcast. But it's all worth it. It's all worth it. All the low spots are worth it for the third movie. The third movie is a good old-fashioned, again, this is what I'm talking about, confidence in the material. They said, look before they made this third movie we know these characters now they've gotten used to the new actors we don't need leonard demoy leonard demoy is not going to be in this movie he may have passed away already by the time they started making it so this character is not going to be in it anymore uh we can do our own thing here's a script that simon Pegg worked on you know because as a trek fan and uh it's a solid action adventure movie that's a lot of fun it's like it goes back to that original two three four trilogy. You know, they're having fun with these characters, a lot of good jokes in there, a lot of good in jokes and a lot of good jokes proper. Plus you get samples of the Beastie Boys and Public Enemies. So you gotta love that. Now Rachel, you just saw this film recently for the first time.
0: I did. I, yeah, like like you said, I thought it was a solid action-adventure movie. I tend to try to watch things with a critical eye, but I found myself going, this is pretty good. Like, the writing is there, the jokes are good, and the, the shooting is fantastic. Um, the cinematography and the direction is great. All the acting is real solid. Like, honestly, if you aren't crazy about Star Trek or action-adventure, but you just want to see some really hot people, Watch the Star Trek, the new Star Trek movies. Everybody is really attractive and it makes you feel like a schlub. But you know what? That's okay. Wear your sweatpants. Embrace it. I wasn't in the theater. I was watching this at home on my TV, but... The design and the cinematography and the framing and everything did take me out of where I was. I forgot that I was in my living room. I felt like I was in space. And that's something I look for in a film. Like, am I remembering where I am? Or is it, like, sucking me in? Is it doing a good job of world building? And I will say that Star Trek Beyond did a fantastic job of that. It is difficult. Poor Idris Elba or Idris Elba had to follow Benedict Cumberbatch's villain, and that was tricky. Uh, that being said, I did love the swarming bee villain mechanism. Um, I thought that was really cool and really fun. And like the previous two films, it kept up the spirit of the you know of the Star Trek show. Um, they just crank up the drama and the action for the modern day audience. But I did feel that something about The way they put the film together did feel like the original Star Trek from what I've seen, um, because my mom was kind of a Trekkie, so she'd have me and my brothers watch some of it. But, yeah, solid acting, solid directing, solid casting. um, And it's also a great way to get a look inside the Enterprise. I don't know if we want to spoil any of that, but I thought it was that was a really gutsy thing for Peg and Jung, the writers.
1: Okay, Rachel, should we call it a wrap?
0: Yeah, let's call it a wrap.
1: All right, let's call it a wrap. I'm Oz Davidson for my co-host Rachel Wong. This has been the MacGuffin Report Quarantine Viewing Edition.
0: Yeah, find us on Twitter. Stay safe.
1: Yeah, stay safe, stay inside, and watch some good old